Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to another podcast of Exploring Life. This is your host, Kai Glow Webb, and um, the other podcast that I did was about the systems of duality within religion and outside of religion, but particularly within Christianity that we can see, and my passion to help break people free from any uh, imposed fear, guilt, and shame that is potentially within religion, and to investigate it, challenge it, question it and to try to focus on the oneness that jesus focused so much on now in this podcast we're going to explore those particular limitations we're going to explore those particular separations divisions inequality to help people break free from the cognitive dissonance of i don't know if i should believe this or if it's me or if it's them but to really give a clear idea of okay is this from god or is this from religion if you can separate the two then which one is truly true well if god is true then that must mean that religion isn't so if religion is a system built on division and duality and separation then maybe i shouldn't trust it as much as i used to maybe i should question it more challenge it more consider if i have cognitive dissonance so that i can grow as a person and I can find myself, and I can strengthen my relationship with God. So the first thing that I want to touch on is, before we get into this, I really encourage you to take some deep breaths. I encourage you to just kind of sit crisscross applesauce and take like five or six very conscious cycles of breath. So what I like to do is I like to breathe in air for four seconds, hold it for four seconds, breathe it out for four seconds, and then just kind of sit there with no air in my lungs for four seconds. And that's called box breathing, and it really helps people stay in a state of awareness. And it's super crucial that we are in a state of awareness because, again, it's super easy to be triggered when we identify with something. And then for our uh, cognitive abilities of reasoning and logic to turn off, and our feelings of emotions, which can become illogical to take over, and then we just kind of shut off. And so taking the time to make sure we are very aware is going to help keep us open to this information and consider it, challenge it, question it. I don't ask anyone to just blindly accept what I'm saying. I ask everyone to challenge it. Challenge everything, religion, society, tradition, your family, conditionings, everything. Everything I'm saying please challenge it. (laughs) But being aware will help you allow yourself to really be aware to dissect, challenge, question, and consider what I'm about to say without being triggered. So if you've listened to my other podcasts, then I'm very proud of you. (laughs) Um, I sadly will not be able to condense everything into this podcast. So I really encourage you to also just start from the beginning and uh, listen to these podcasts in order and that will definitely help with our discussion. If not, totally fine. This will work out also, um, but it will definitely help out because I will be referencing um, other experiences and other topics and historical facts and traditions and all that. So there's a saying in Orthodox Christianity, when people try to go to seminary, and they try to become a priest or they try to become like a someone who works for the church there's a saying that they always say to those people before they go in and they say 
two things are going to either happen to you after you go through this. One, you're going to lose your faith. Two, you're going to work for the church. (laughs) You're going to, you know, experience service for the church. They give that disclaimer because the information that they're telling you in seminaries is often not taught in your Sunday school or your sermons. And there is definitely a reason for that. There are multiple reasons for that. Not all Christian churches are like this, but a majority keep this information in the seminaries, in these pastor and preschools for very important reasons. Because it has the ability to have people lose their faith in their religion. Not lose their faith in God, lose their faith in religion. Not saying that's also possible, but definitely 100% it's talking about religion. And so people can correlate and bind religion to God and then become atheists and say, this is all just BS. Or people can realize, okay, well, I see the inconsistencies, the inequalities, I see the contradictions and realize religion is the one and be like, I still love God. I just see through this. I'm not saying there's a right or wrong. I'm not advocating for one or the other. Like I said, I am neither within or without Christianity. I am one. That's my main criteria is to make sure that I I keep um, closing the gap in separation and division. And I keep um, showing people that I am one with them and I'm not here to create division. I'm here to get rid of division. (laughs) So with that said, There's important things that I have read that anyone can read, anyone can find. Obviously, it's going to take, you know, more than a minute, but you have all the information at your fingertips. You do not need to go to seminary to get this information. I think what a lot of people are afraid of is they're afraid of misinformation. They're afraid of listening to something that isn't true, and so they get their information from their pastors because they trust their pastors. They trust that their pastors can sift through this information better than they can. And so that's how they will get their information. But see, if I only went to one person, I only heard their perspective on a huge topic such as Christianity, which is thousands of years old and uh, with so much historical uh, stuff going on, then obviously my perspective is going to be limited. If I want a limited perspective, then I'll do that. If I want to widen my perspective, I will hear every single type of argument for and against as much as I possibly can. So not just the stuff I want to hear, the stuff that validates my beliefs, but also the stuff that invalidates my beliefs. And what this is going to do is create a opportunity for your perspective to be widened so that you can be able to sympathize with people who don't agree with you. And people who do agree with you and also consider how this will affect your overall understanding of your particular religion that you are allowing yourself to be within whether you're more within than without or you are equally within and without you're one with all things whatever you decide to do that is between you and you um neither is right or wrong it's just an experience um there's some people who have been hurt so much from Christianity that they want absolutely nothing to do with it and they're just without and then there's other people who have been so hurt by the world that they want nothing to do with it and so they only go with it you know they join the Amish community they um, say 
get rid of the world. The world is all satanic. And then they go within and they live in the bubble and they're happy. And then there's other people who see that there are limitations within and without Christianity. There's also love within and without Christianity. And there's nothing for me to be afraid of because I can get the goods from within and without Christianity and it doesn't uh, turn me off or turn me on in any sense because to me, religion is a temporary construct, a temporary system uh, that we all decide to explore. And we attach limitations in order to explore those limitations. We attach God to that religion and then limit God to experience what it is like to have a limited God and for us to have our own limits. Even though we don't supposedly say that outright, you know, there will be so many Christians who are like, well, you see, they believe that God is omnipotent, omnipresent, all these things. We'll see projecting the belief and the idea that God is needs you to believe in a limited way in order to be saved eternally is imposing that God imposes limits on you. And if you believe that God is imposing limits on you, then that is internalized limitations within God. And if you believe God is internally limited, then this system of duality is our eternal reality and we are forever stuck in division. We are forever stuck in separation. So I highly recommend considering really, really meditating or doing breath work or going on a walk whatever you want to do and really consider those words duality and unity uh oneness and division because that's going to help you um realize the cognitive dissonance when you say something or when someone else says something like oh no we believe in the omnipotence and the omnipresence of god but then oh no god is only in some people but you see in ephesians it says that God is in everyone. (laughs) And in Colossians, it says Christ is in all and through all. Um, So where, how do you guys make sense of this? And so it will help clear up the cognitive dissonance because again, when there are beliefs that subjugate you to a certain perspective and systematize you into division, separation, limitations, you are naturally imposing those limitations because you think they come from God. And if you think God is imposing limitations on you, then imagine the limitations you don't even see that you've been placing on God. And that's a whole other area we can talk about. Um, So let's get into this real quick. So the first thing I want to talk about is inequality. Um, The biggest predictor of duality is the idea of we are the right ones we are the chosen ones we are the good ones you are the wrong ones you are the bad ones you are the evil ones this idea is a system of duality right versus wrong we're good you're bad so if god is not limited to duality then what god is being limited by duality and telling the jews that they are limited by duality or yet they're free and those who are evil are truly evil um who started this who started this trend (laughs) i want to know um and so if you understand duality in the sense of scarcity in the sense of gaining things possessions land then you'll realize that duality benefits people who feel like they have scarcity 
So who feel like they don't have enough possessions, enough land, enough uh, rigidity, (laughs) enough proper uh, power to exist. They feel threatened. So in reference to, we know the Bible is more than anything a historical account. That is 100% a fact. Where the opinions and the beliefs come from is it is 100% infallible. And that is a fundamental doctrine that wasn't even always a Christian thought. Fundamentalism, fundamental Christianity, is like only a hundred, few hundred years old. It's not as old as Christianity. This idea of sola scriptura is very, very new doctrine within Christianity, that the Bible is infallible. You ask a Jew, they're still discussing um, aspects of the Torah and what is literal and what is um, more of a fable or what is more of a story meant for learning and growth and all these different things. They don't believe that all scripture is quite literally exactly what happened. A lot of it is symbolism. A lot of it is um, dreams, interpretations, ideas, parables. Um, And so to this day, they discuss that. They debate about that. And so there is no consensus on every single chapter in the Torah with the Jews that this is all literally true and all literally happened exactly as it said. And they're very smart in doing that because um, if you look at the Jewish history, a lot of it was oral for like literally 20, 30, 40, 50 years before it was ever even written down. So these stories could be potentially changed and you want to know because it wasn't written down. It was oral history for many years. And so people who put so much emphasis and say, oh, well, it was infallible. Well, okay, so who was infallible? Because were all the people infallible who were talking about it for oral tradition and history? Were everyone, were the scribes infallible? Because, you know, so it's all this, you know, it's a newer doctrine, so it's hard to make sense of it. But, you know, if people want to believe it, that's totally fine. So going off of that, we know that if a system of duality expresses itself in places where, and two people who experience uh, scarcity and lack then we know that people will portray that in such a way that will benefit them in any way possible. And we also know that people do not like to be blamed for their choices. We also know that people do not like to be blamed for their actions. It is so much easier to blame a religion and say, oh, well, my religion says it's a sin, than to take accountability and believe, oh, I say it's a sin. We just know that. That's It's very obvious. Oh, it, it was their issue they did this it wasn't our issue oh well god commanded it it wasn't us if we didn't do it we would die so we had to choose between the two who's gonna die us or them we didn't get a choice and the ironic part about that is if you don't get a choice then you don't truly have free will (laughs) and if that's a god you follow then you know that's really sad because then you're just like a robot you either kill them or you you die that is a valid that is a perfect example of not having free will <laughs> or what i like to say more so is partial free will so it's not truly um you know like people are like well they still had a choice it's like well their choice was contingent on what god chose for you he gave you two options out of an infinite amount of possibilities that's still not completely free will that's his two choices for you 
not saying anything right or wrong just saying that's what uh that's what it is so going back to this idea so the jews like every other nation have their own god right and they have their own scripture that is circulating as oral history at this point and they are going inside and outside of different lands and nations in different areas now tell me this with like complete honesty do you believe that there are religions there are people who believe that they're worshiping a false god okay once you answer that now do you believe that there are religions that believe other people are worshiping a false god but they are worshiping the true god that's literally (laughs) like every single religion right not every but a lot of them are like that so we have the jews who once Abraham goes into, you know, has his experience with God and does the blood covenant where he pretty much signs his name, I am following you. I am submitting myself to you. His God is the true God. All other gods are false. All other gods are not true. And this is the start, oftentimes a lot of scholars believe, of Judaism. But actually actually a lot of jews share a ton of similarities with other religions so before this point actually jews shared different deities different gods different ideas with other neighboring countries and portions of the torah are very extremely similar to other religious texts from other areas such as the epic of gilgamesh Um, the book of the dead there are so many similarities so it's not just this oh this is straight from you know god's lips straight into the pen no it's like they (laughs) they didn't have their own distinction yet so they had these circulations with other groups other religions other people um and when they started this journey with abraham this is when the distinction started happening this is when it started becoming this is us and that's you this is our god and that's your god our god is stronger our god is amazing our god is better and a lot of people don't know this but in um the bible there's actually two names and the the way the jews make sense of this is that they say oh well god has many names and that's that but there's actually a very interesting verse in the bible And it's actually Deuteronomy 32 verses 8 through 9. And it says, When Elion gave nations their land, when he divided the descendants of Adam, he set up borders for the tribes corresponding to the number of the sons of Israel. But Yahweh's people were his property. Jacob was his own possession. So here we have a distinction between Elion and Yahweh. And what a lot of people don't know is that before the Jews had their distinct uh, particular God, their own land, their own possessions, all this stuff, they were um, in different lands and they often shared and were in similar lands as the Canaanites. And the Canaanites' God was Elion. So if you do some research and you look into it, you'll also realize that a lot of the Torah has similarities to the Canaanite religious texts. And um, this is all showing you that there is a lot more connections 
when we try to create division, when we try to create separation, we will eventually see beyond it. We will eventually see the oneness. We will eventually see that we're actually a lot closer than we thought we were. (laughs) And there's a lot of things that people tell us that we just kind of accept as verbatim truth and we never actually research it. And for example, a very interesting one is we're often told um, by our Sunday school teachers and all that, that Judaism is the first monotheistic religion. But actually, we have historical evidence that Zoroastrianism, which is an ancient Persian religion that definitely could have been and is arguably the first monotheistic faith. It's over uh, 4,000 years ago. And it's considered one of the oldest religions still in existence. And that's going to be very interesting. If you ever look and you want to study, I highly recommend studying the Zoroastrian religion because you are going to literally have your mind blown when you see all these similarities unfolding before you and these divisions and separations and distinctions start to dissolve. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't even believe this because that's what started happening to me. So I went on a little tangent and I'm coming back here. (laughs) So the point I'm making is that Judaism, within Judaism, we have this belief where this is the true God and the other ones aren't true. And an interesting thing to take note of is that this God that Abraham followed wanted a blood covenant. And if you know anything about blood covenants, these are very, very serious. This is like, we are in contract for life. Like your descendants, your people, they serve me. You are in contract with me. Um, This isn't a tiny thing. This is actually a really, really big thing. And this contract is pretty much the start of Judaism. This is the start of the distinction, the separation. This is when um, Abraham's God said, I will make you big. I will make you great. I will give you descendants. This is this is the deal inside this covenant. This is what I'm going to give you. And what you're going to give me is strict obedience. What you're going to give me is you're going to listen to me. What you're going to give me is you're going to do what I say. I'm going to give you all these blessings, but you're going to listen to me. When I say you kill them, you kill them. When I say you kill this bird, you kill this bird. When I say you take this land, you take this land. When I say you build this, you build it. So this God that Abraham followed wanted strict obedience. And in exchange, Abraham would get the blessings that this God promised. So what's interesting about this is that first, why would the creator of the universe need a blood contract? Why would the creator of the universe need a covenant of your strict obedience? And what would happen if he didn't follow it? What would happen if he said, you know what? Sounds cool, but I'm going to say no. What would happen? Would Judaism start from Abraham or would someone else start Judaism? Or would someone else start a contract or covenant with this God who is the God of Israel? Because again, There are multiple gods already for each nation. There's tons of gods. And what would happen? Would another god represent himself to Abraham? And I'm speaking from an objective point of view. I'm not speaking from, I believe this, I don't believe this. I'm just speaking from, you know, these are the facts. The god of Abraham presented 
his plan and he said this is what you get and this is what i'll get let's do blood boom um blood covenants are very intense very serious and um you can ask a witch you can ask a satanist you can ask anyone who still does blood contracts still does blood covenants these are serious these are very very intense this is like um like you are making a contract with something on the other side and whatever that contract is it's not a light thing (laughs) because you're agreeing to it with your own blood and blood is like the life force of our body so it's a very intense thing um so if we look at this religion from an objective point of view and we consider okay is this religion a system built in duality or is this religion a system built on the characteristics and attributes of god or the creator the oneness the great i am the true uh has no beginning no ending no middle was is always will be the alpha and the omega if we look into this if we challenge it if we question it we can open our perspective and consider a different viewpoint we can understand why maybe atheists see christianity as a highly immoral religion we can see why jews think that about christians and why christians think that about a lot of jews not everyone everyone has their own opinion but i'm saying by opening our perspective we can consider other people's perspectives and consider where they're coming from so the first thing i want you to do is i want you to look at the old testament i want you to consider the scripture and i want you to consider is there equality or is there inequality is there bloodshed is there stealing is there rape are there heinous things that either god is said to say um or is this something else and when you look for it i want you to genuinely look i don't want you to just look at christian articles that are like defending the faith i want you to look from the opposite end so that you can understand so you can widen your perspective because here's the thing is that if you can widen your perspective and you are willing to open your ideas about this if they're not true then it won't it won't damage your faith in that religion if they are true then maybe you have to consider okay maybe god is more than this religion maybe god expands beyond the limits of what i grew up in Either way, it's a win-win because you're using your brain to expand your perception to understand not only your perspective, but other people's perspectives. (laughs) So when there are verses where women are given harsh punishments of stoning, but then a similar act is not even mentioned for men, and there's no punishment for men for something that women are punished for, where women are getting stoned, but men aren't getting stoned, where women are being treated as property but men aren't being treated as property and that's not simply one thing that's literally inside the scripture and people are saying oh this is from god is this truly from god or is that their perspective is this maybe from their limited projected idea of god but isn't truly the creator of the universe is this their projected dualistic version of god Or is this the limitless, infinite, amazing, great I am creator? And so does the creator of the universe create systems of inequality where it treats one person as property and the other as the leader? 
<laughs> does the creator of the universe establish inequality? Does the creator of the universe say do not kill and then command genocide? Does the creator of the universe judge those for killing their babies but then sends a whole entire angel of death to murder every single baby? You know, these are genuine questions that we have. These are genuine, genuine questions. So, um, there are a ton of Bible verses that I could get into. And literally, we could sit here all day and we could talk about it. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I know that in your Sunday school, I know in your pastor, he's not talking about these verses. He's talking about the good, which is great. You can get a lot from the good. There's a lot of good within religion, just like there's a lot of good outside of religion. And what I am here is to show you that maybe where you thought there wasn't duality, there is a ton of duality. When maybe you thought there was no one projecting their idea of who they think their God is, there's a lot of projection of who they think the creator is. Where maybe you thought there was purity and completeness in the doctrine and interpretations of your church, there's actually a lot of discontinuity and division and separation in doctrines that just don't make sense, according to mathematics, quantum physics, and are built and sourced in duality, which is not bad or good. It's just an experience. So I could go on and on and I could go into each verse. Maybe I will in the future if that's what you guys want. But really, I want you guys to challenge your current paradigm. I want you to challenge the church you grew up in. I want you to challenge your beliefs, your doctrines, your interpretations, everything. Write it all down. Write down your beliefs and look at them. Try to look at them from a third person point of view, not from a place of where you identify with them, but from a place of, I'm going to analyze this. I'm going to look into this, challenge this, question this. Where did this interpretation come from? What is the historical, cultural context of this? What do other people outside of my religion believe about this? Let me open my perspective so that I can better understand myself and better understand how people view my own religion. And then if you want to move beyond any limits of fear, guilt, shame, or division that you find, that's great. If you don't, that's also fine. But you simply practicing awareness and finding the courage to explore and consider what is of this system of duality and what is of the system of unity, then you're going to have a lot of fun. 